time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studio. On Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Roto-Rooter. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Polyod. By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Ropey Corporation. And now. Let's go to Lance and Matt. Coming to you live from the Fricker Studio. For the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic Hits 96.7, WBVI, Lance Morris, and Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for another edition of the show. Matt, how are we doing? I am a nearly 300-point effort doing great, Lance. I mean, just a, just a phenomenal display of defense this past weekend from the National Basketball Association. Uh, what can happen if no one actually plays defense ever, like ever. It was, it was fun. It was fun to watch the all-star game this weekend. It was a good time. Great weekend of sports. And my goodness, the, the week we have on deck for you guys in terms of broadcasts and games, it's phenomenal. And for tonight, we have got an amazing show for you. That we very much do is on this edition of the show, we'll talk with Hopewell Loudonhead girls basketball coach Steve Suter. They'll get their postseason started tonight when they take on New Regal. We'll also hear with Derek from Derek Angelone, Vostoria head girls basketball coach. They open up their postseason tomorrow night on the road. They'll head up to Scott to open up the postseason. And, of course, stop by the Frickers in Finley for their daily specials. Then get the sirloin steak dinner. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. You can pick up from the care window. Dining get delivery through DoorDash. Download the Frickers app. Find them online at Frickers.com. And as Matt alluded to, we have a great schedule of games coming your way over the next few days for high school basketball. Thursday night, we'll have coverage of Fostoria girls basketball as they, in fact, head up north to Scott High School for the sectional semifinals. And Matt Common and Tom Grind have that one on Thursday, just before 7 o'clock on WFOB. Friday night, last regular season game in high school basketball. New Regal will play host to Sandusky St. Mary. Bart Wilson, Tom Grind have that one for you Friday night on WFOB. And then Saturday, if the Story girls win on Thursday, they would play Saturday night in the sectional finals. They would play either Bellevue or Woodward. Again, that would be on Saturday if they are able to win Thursday. Matt Common and Tom Grind would again have that one just before 7 o'clock on WFOB. So yeah, this is it's it's kind of I'd say calm before the storm even though technically the storm does get us started a little bit this week with uh, some sectional action in girls basketball, but postseason basketball is officially now right around the corner and will be here literally within the next hour or so. Yeah, you know what uh, uh high school basketball is a whole different animal. I think calm before the storm is the most accurate description I've ever heard. Because especially for broadcasters, I mean, the coaches, the players, fans, everyone, it's just a marathon, full wind sprint, nonstop thing until either you win the state title or you're eliminated. But for you and me, I mean, I think currently on deck, we currently have like potentially 12 broadcasts in like the next week and a half, two weeks kind of thing. Or it could be three. I mean, it's really... It's really up in the air. It, it, it's a very fun time of year. It, it's a good time. And 
for the teams that did make it, congratulations. For the fan bases, it can get stressful, but savor the moments in it. There's there's just something special about tournament time in Ohio on ba- uh, on the hardwood for a basketball season. It's just, there is just something special about it. With that, we'll go ahead and step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Hopewell Loudonhead Girls basketball coach Steve Suter here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. At Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services. We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System. We're here for you. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if Auto Owners makes sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic Hits 96.7, WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. We're now pleased to be joined by Hopewell Loudon Head Girls Basketball Coach Steve Suter here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you guys? Good. Thank you again for uh, taking the time to talk with us. It's usually not this late into the season for us to catch up, but thank you for uh, taking the time nonetheless. Oh, anytime. You guys do a great job, and I, I appreciate any, any chance we get the chance to talk. So for you, obviously, been a little up and down season compared to a season ago as we start to get ready for the postseason. Kind of what's just the mood around the team as you kind of start to attempt to change gears uh, heading into the postseason? Uh, the, the attitude is positive. Uh, like you said, this has been uh, one of the craziest roller coaster seasons I've ever been a part of with uh, personnel changing pretty much day to day, week to week, injuries and, and flu bugs and, and everything else that you can possibly imagine. Uh, but, uh, oh, I love my team. I love my girls. They, they're super, you know, we made the comment the other night after our game at Woodmore, I wouldn't trade any of them at this point in the season for anybody else. They, they listen, uh, they play hard, they work hard, they try to do everything that we ask them to do. And that's about all we can ask for at this point. And, and coach to go along with that little bit of up and down that you kind of alluded to there. It seemed like you were starting to get your legs under yet. Maybe the best time getting closer to postseason, getting closer to tournament time, just a little bit here, right at the tail end. It's, I know some of the games were still losses, but they seem to be competitive and pretty close. I'm looking at that new Regal game from February 1st in particular, where that one was a real good back and forth. Do, do you feel like even though the record may not reflect it, your team was starting to, pick things up and kind of get going in the right direction the closer you got towards tournament. Oh, absolutely. I I, I like where we're at. We just got to get healthy. Um, you know, we had, we had the new Regal game and then we've, we've had, it seems like since then we've had one or two girls out almost every single day of practice. Um, you know, a couple of them have battled back and come back a little bit early, but you know, one comes back and one leaves and we just haven't had our full complement of players here for the last three games. And, and hopefully now, knock on wood, that, that we're headed in the right direction. We got uh, Anna Daniel back, who missed our, our last game of the season against Woodmore. Um, so she, she's a big key to the whole thing. We're, we're still playing right now without uh, Isabel Beitelcheese. Um, 
Isabel's uh, had some back issues stemming from last uh, spring with softball that uh, kind of flare up on her every once in a while. And it seems like as the season's gone on, it's, it's flared up a little bit more than it's not flared up. So we're still dealing without her, but uh, um, you know, to get Anna back would be great for the tournament game. And and we've got a couple other, the younger girls who've really stepped up here the last couple of weeks and become a little bit more comfortable with what we do offensively and defensively. And, and we're really looking forward to, uh, to Wednesday night's game against uh, uh, New Regal. Is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios? Lance Morris, Matt Common talking with Hopewell Loudon head girls basketball coach Steve Suter. And like you've talked talked about and mentioned, obviously dealt the injury bug in a, a pretty tough way, even before the year when you lose Olivia Bishop uh, during the volleyball season. She's, of course, unable to play this season. And you've had a handful of other key players in and out of the rotation, some loss for the season, you know, things of that nature. I mean, how do you just attempt to? I guess, sort of trudge through when you've had, it seems like, like you've mentioned every day, every week, something's changing with one player or another. You just, we've stuck to the basics. Um, you know, we've had some time um, as the season goes on, as, as we get towards the end, you know, you're not playing as many times, you're not playing two or three times a week. And we've gone back to the basics, um, you know, just uh, ball handling, dribbling, shooting, passing, you know, some of those kind of things. Um, just try to stay positive with the younger girls. Um, you know, they're coming into a situation where most of the time they're, you know, in what we call freak out mode and um, just trying to make them feel comfortable with what we're doing. Uh, maybe cut down a little bit on what we're trying to do. Just, just keep the basics, but they, they've been great. You know, we're, we're starting, you know, we, we went to Woodmore the other night with Anna being sick. We started only one player who was a starter for us the entire season and our first three subs off the bench were JV players at the beginning of the season. So, um, and we competed, we played hard and we competed and that's kind of the message that, that we want to leave with the girls. Uh, it doesn't matter what happens, just go out and compete and, and play hard, stay focused, stay together and, and, and see what happens. And, and it, it really, uh, it's a message that really is starting to hit home a little bit. Like I said, uh, Casey Fleckner came has come in the last couple of games, played really well for us. Miley Alt has um, relaxed a little bit more on the floor and, and she's done some really good things for us. And, and if we can continue to do those things, then, you know, we're, we're headed in the right direction. And coach, uh, uh, for, first of all, I, as somebody's coached the past with uh, younger players, I appreciate the term freak out mode. That uh, seems <laughs> to be that, that, there's no technical term for it, but I think every coach who's listening knows exactly what you're talking about in that particular moment. But talking about the younger players on your team, it really has seemed this year because of the injuries, it's kind of been a youth movement at Hope Allowed. And uh, if you just want to take a moment, some of the younger players that you have this year on the squad that are gaining significant minutes really seems like, like you've mentioned already, starting to get their legs under them, really starting to get a feel for the game. Yeah. Um, you know, Sydney Brickner has been just a, uh, you know, the one solid for us all season, you know, being our, our point guard kind of stepping into that role this season. She's had a fantastic season, uh, really confident with the things she can do. Um, you know, the, some of the other younger girl, Anna Daniel, you know, hadn't really played a lot of varsity minutes for us uh, until this season. And she's really in the last four or five games uh, focused on scoring and, and, and shooting the ball a little bit more. So that's been a wonderful addition to us. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, Ariana Bishop um, has been really solid player for us. She's kind of been you know in and out with some sickness here the last few weeks, but uh, um, she's been real solid for us. I think she's starting to understand the game a little bit more, you know, and, and that's a big thing. You know, there, there's a difference between playing the game and understanding the game. And, and that's the thing you battle with the younger girls when they come in or the younger players when they come in, they know how to play the game. 
Uh, but did they understand the game? Did they understand when to do this, when to do that? Um, you know, when do I need to look for my offensive shot? When do I need to, you know, communicate a little bit more defensively and, and those kind of things. And, and she's really come, uh, come into her own here the last three or four games and, and started to understand a little bit more of what we're trying to do. Um, of course, Isabel vital cheese has just been, uh, tremendous for us. You know, we're every game that we have her, I'm, I've got my fingers crossed that, you know, we're lucky to have her for that game, uh, considering where she, where she was over the summertime and, and, um, you know, what, what she wants to do, you know, we're kind of making sure that uh, she's able to have her softball season. So kind of pulled back on her a little bit, but they, they've just been wonderful. Those have been our kind of solids. Um, Miley Alt has, has really made big strides here the last couple of games. Um, you know, when we played uh, New Regal last time, she had a really nice game offensively. So hopefully we can get some more of that out of her. Casey Fleckner, as I said, stepped up. Um, has played real well. Uh, Kara Wyman's coming off the bench. Kara's kind of been battling an injury all year, kind of a funny injury, <coughs> a rib cage injury that uh, limits her at times and things like that. But, um, you know, we, we feel really good about where we're at with our younger girls and, you know, nobody else is going to feel sorry for us. So we, we just got to go out and play and do the things we're supposed to do and see what happens. Talk with Hopewell Loudon head girls basketball coach Steve Suter here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. And another thing when we've been talking with uh, various SBC coaches that I'm always kind of curious about is uh, the scheduling and with the double round robin, it of course limits how many non-conference games you can play, but you do, you know, form, you know, even closer rivalries, maybe with some of the teams in your league and that can pay dividends as we've, you know, seen kind of already this year, you know, on the boys side. So what is, what is your thought on, you know, the double round robin and how that kind of plays into your schedule uh, year in, year out? Well, like you said, I, I personally enjoy it. Um, I, I think it gives you a true champion for your league. Um, you know, the boys are a great example. Um, you know, our, our boys uh, have to go to Calvert at the beginning of the year and, and lose at Calvert, a tough place to play. And you probably could have said at that time, well, their chances of winning the league are pretty slim. And then, but knowing that you get Calvert at your place later in the year, um, and if you split with them, then you're right back where you started from. So I do like that aspect of playing everybody in our league twice. But as the league grows and the league expands, it does take away from those non-conference uh, games. And, and it's always kind of nice to step out of the conference a little bit, um, play some of the uh, other local teams. Um, non-conference games tend to be a nice game, too, where you can get some of the younger players some time and, and you know, I don't want to say you sacrifice a loss or something like that, but you're a little more inclined to to put some of the younger girls in in a situation where if, if things don't work out right or they do go into freak out mode, um, you know, if you end up losing the game, it's not going to hurt you when it comes to league standing. So it's it's kind of six one half a dozen the other. I wish we um, maybe didn't have as many teams in our league and we could get a few more non-conference games, but I do like the fact that you play everybody in the league twice. And to go along with, rules or tournaments and things of that nature. One of the things we've been asking all the coaches this year and would love your input on it as well. The change to the foul situation in both halves, half switching from halves to quarters, resetting, getting rid of the one and one, turning it into just two shots after the fifth foul. Uh, your thoughts on, do you like it? Not like it? Is it kind of middle of the road? How, has it really changed your strategy in terms of fouls and like game management? as the game goes on, or is it really more status quo for you guys? 
No, it definitely changes the the game management and, and when to commit fouls, knowing that, you know, uh, if you've only got two team fouls and there's a minute to go in the in the half, um, you know, commit some fouls there, take away some fast break situations for the other team. So it does definitely play into the game management stuff. Um I think the jury's still out as far as whether I like it or not. Um, I don't think that we're getting as many free throw attempts per game as, as we have in the past. Um, you know, so opportunities to score are kind of limited a little bit, but um, you know, I think the pace of the game is a little bit faster. I, I think that our game times have, have been cut down a little bit. Um, you know, you get into those situations where you commit a few fouls in the first quarter instead of shooting a one and one or two shots for the whole first quarter or half the first quarter and all the second quarter, you know, being able to reset things and kind of get more of a flow of the game going a little bit is a, is a nice thing. So I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I, I don't mind it. Um, I think we still have to understand how to use it a little bit more to our advantage, uh, attacking the basket a little bit more, trying to get to the free throw line a little bit more um, and make up for some of those points that we're not getting. You know, the um, I don't know. I think the most free throw attempts we've had in the game this year has been 18. And, and you know, I know in the past we've had games where we've had 20, 25, even 30 free throw attempts. So um, the, you're taking away some opportunities to score uh, a few points. So we just got to kind of adapt to it a little bit. I think as um, – we get more used to it. I think those, those situations will pop up and, and we'll, we'll be able to adapt to it a little bit more. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common talking with Hopewell Loudon head girls basketball coach Steve Suter. And another one of the players on your team that was, you know, playing pretty much almost entirely JV early on, Laura Cook, now, you know, a, a key player for you. And you you could tef- definitely see early on that she was maybe still kind of figuring things out with, you know, how big she is on the court at, you know, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, standing out there on the floor. She's usually one of, if not the biggest players out there. What can you kind of say about her? her growth that has uh, taken place throughout the season. I'm glad you mentioned Laura. I'm running run through my head here. thinking I'm forgetting somebody. I'm forgetting somebody. <laughs> um, no, Laura has been fantastic for us this year. Um, she's coming off an ACL injury from last season um, as, as a freshman. So we felt that um, come first of the year, um, you know, she was able to start practicing with us on the, on the first day of practice. But you know, anytime you come back from those injuries like that, it, it takes a while to get your athletic ability back, kind of get your mobility back. So we were really kind of penciling in like the first of the year, kind of expecting her to take some big strides and some big steps and, and become a, a solid player for us. And she has. Um, there's times where her knee still bothers her. You know, she actually stopped in my room just a little bit ago and asked if she could take an ice bath after practice tonight. Um, her mobility is not back 100%, but she's definitely worked herself back into shape. Um, you know, she's going to be a big factor going forward here. We, I think we're one of the few teams in the area, you know, in, in our league that has a player of her size and, and teams have to kind of adjust a little bit on how to defend her, um, taking away the backside lobs and, and some of the post uh, situations, post up situations that she can get herself into. And I think she's still trying to figure out how to score a little bit. Uh, but defensively and rebounding here the last few uh, games, she's been really good for us. And we're excited about her moving forward. And and, and like you said, you know, it, it's sort of a youth movement when we didn't really plan on a youth movement this year. So we're hoping that next year when we get Olivia back, uh, we get Maddie Holcomb back. Um, having played some of the younger girls, that puts us even in a better position next year where you go from playing, you know, playing on playing maybe seven next year to possibly being able to play nine, play, play 10 and do some things defensively, um, offensively and, and stuff like that that we didn't do this year. So we're kind of excited about those opportunities. So I, I am curious about something. This just capitates the hope allowed in general, Coach. I mean, you have the Elmore family, you have the Crease family, uh, Cook, 
Daniel, uh, two-part question. What's in the water around Hopewell <laughs> Loudon that continues to just make incredibly tall human beings? And can I have some? Because I feel a growth spurt still in order for me at the ripe old age of 35. 35 and a growth spurt. Oh, man. Yeah, look, that, means you have to, I, that means you have to go back and change your whole wardrobe. You have to go shopping and spend some more money. <laughs> If um, it no, means just... I could dunk, I support it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we just we're we're going through a real good run of athletes. You know, just happened to have some good size with, with them. Um, you know, the boys are, have just had an outstanding season. Um, you know, their their combination of size and skill is is, is fun to watch. Uh, and I've kind of had a, a front row seat from that. My son Owen. Uh, is on the team too. He's a uh, six man off the bench. So, so being able to see Donovan and, and uh, Evan and Blake and, and Carter and even Braylon Martinez here over the, over the last couple of years, really blossom and develop into really nice basketball players. is fun to watch. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we hope that it just keeps funneling through, you know, we'll take, we'll take Laura cook. We'll take size. I mean, I've always, you know, coaches always say, yeah, I can teach you post moves. I can teach you how to dribble. I can teach you how to shoot, but I can't teach you to be six one. So, you know, as long as the six oneers keep com coming through here, we'll, we'll, We'll gladly take them. So whether it's the water or, you know, families moving in, you know, it, it, it's always a blessing to have that size. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Classic hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Currently talking with Hopewell Loudon girls basketball coach Steve Suter. And programming note, we will have uh, Coach Roger Jury along with some of his players, including, I presume, Owen, uh, with uh, with the team next week. And we'll have a bunch of fun uh, here at the Fricker Studios. So definitely be on the lookout for that one. But leads us into that perspective because you, of course, you know, coached uh, with Coach Jury, you know, prior to uh, – taking over the girls program your your son owen as you mentioned on the team you've got kind of the front row seat to you know everything what's what's it been like being you know on the outside perspective even though you're still very much inside at hopewell Loudon? what's it been you know watching him and you know that team grow and develop because you know at the start of i'd say the season prior you kind of started to get the feeling something was coming and then they may maybe were a year early getting to the district title game a year ago and you know we're a shot or two away from even winning the district title and now and i've said this to you know people that have been asking me the last few weeks you know who are some of the teams you like it's like i i got the feeling that the hopewell boys i have the feeling that it's kind of their year well they're just a tough bunch of kids um you know the, the football season that they've had the last few years the, the the mental toughness you just you never get the feeling that they're out of the situation you know we, we've had a couple games this year where we haven't played real well um haven't shot it real well we have a couple games where we've gotten down but they just continue to battle and I, I think that mentality goes from just being in the wars and the trenches of the football field and, and uh, the things that coach Calatrillo does with them is, is kind of carrying over but uh yeah they're just a fun group to watch they're they're one that you know is odd to guard you know Evan and, and Donovan are tall but they're also athletic and can go out on the floor and score um, you know, Blake uh, Barrier can get to the rim. Carter Yarbrough can shoot it. You know, it's one of those things, too, where every every night, you know, okay, we're going to stop Evan. Well, the next thing you know, Carter has 20. Okay, we got to get up on Carter. Next thing you know, Blake Barrier's got 23, and Blake's been to the free throw line 15 times in the game. You know, okay, we're going to stop Blake's ability to drive the basketball, and then you've got Evan who can contort his body in so many different 
ways and, and get a basket. It's it's just fun to watch and um, you know, it's gonna be tough for them. They got they got a tough road. You know, the the district is gonna have four four other teams. You know, you're looking at Calvert and Old Ford and Arlington and Mohawk, who are all really good teams. And and I think any of those five teams can probably come out. And I'm sure that there's a couple others. I mean, New Regal's playing pretty well right now, a big win for them the other night against uh, uh Old Fort. Um so, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. And then, you know, getting to that region, I'm assuming they're going to go north to the Toledo region. Toledo Christian's got a nice team. Emmanuel Baptist has a, a really nice player. Um, who's the other school? There's another really good player from up in that direction, too. Um, so it, it'll it'll be interesting to, to see what happens. I'm sure that somebody from uh, uh, over um, Convoy Crestview Way will probably come over that way and, and make that region a, a very, very tough and very competitive region also. And just – Talking about Hopewell Loud in general, Coach, I mean, it really seems like you mentioned you guys are just kind of at this peak run of having talent come through the programs, but it really seems just culturally that's been the case for really the entire time I've been around at this station. It's just it's always been Hopewell Loud and teams have been near the top of the heap or have been actively competing. Uh, what, what can you attribute to that that's just been this sustained culture year in and year out of success? and competitiveness, not just in basketball or not just in football, but really across all sports. It really seems like when we're talking about, oh, who are some teams to watch out for, regardless of the sport, Lance and I always bring up Hopewell Loud at some point. And I know I've been doing it for about 13 years now. So <laughs> said, what, it, it, what can you attribute to that level of continued success? Um, I, I think there's several things that go into it. I think number one is just the overall mentality of our our kids as they come through. You know, uh, uh, winning kind of breeds winning, and you go all the way back to when uh, the football team went to the state playoffs or state final game back to back years. You know that that's a that's a game changer. Um, you know, you go back to the the, the '90s with our our run with uh, girls volleyball and you know Dee Dee Reynolds, and and I, even though that time has passed, I think there's still enough people around here that remember those players, remember those teams. And it sort of, you know, kind of becomes ingrained. Hey, remember when this team did this and remember this team, you know, got this far and, and, uh, you know, success breeds success. Uh, the football program has been successful over the last couple of years. So that kind of funnels back into the boys basketball program, the girls basketball program been successful. You know, you brought up Michaela Elmore, um, Olivia Zender and, and that crew, you know, and they kind of set the tone for it. You know, the, the girls that follow them, the, the Hope Creases and the Abbey Bidal Cheeses understand what has to happen in, in practice and what has to happen to be prepared for games. And then that uh, filters down to, um, you know, the, the Sydney Brickners and the Maddie Holcombs of what we're dealing with. And then we hope that Maddie and Sid set a good example for the younger kids, our, our seventh and eighth graders, when, when they come up and, and kind of set the expectation. And I, we've got good coaches. I, I love our coaching staff. I love my, vars my high school staff. My junior high staff here, Coach Gase and Coach Ardner, do a great job for me. Um, you know, Bob's been through it. Bob knows what it's like to be here at Hope Aloud. And uh, tra Travis Ardner played. Um, you know, Travis was in, in school and all those teams were, were winning, you know, going to the state finals and football and everything. And, and you just kind of bring those people back and that mentality. Um, you know, you look with Coach Calatrulio, you know, the second tour of duty here at, at Hopewell. And he's got all his same staff from when they – had the first tour duty and and we've got so many of our former athletes uh that that helped coach uh, Caden Hoover's on the staff 
uh, for Roger. Um, you know, um, Luke Boldy's putting, you know, you see him all of a sudden uh, poking around here, trying to uh, get his foot in the door and wants to do some coaching. You know, my two junior high coaches, Kenzie Coleman and Lena Fox, both played for Bob. So they understand what it takes and what has to happen. So I, I think that's, that has a lot to do with it is, is the coaches and the coaching mentality, but it really comes down to the kids buying into what you're trying to do. And looking ahead now to Wednesday night, when you take on new Regal, obviously a team that's, you know, gotten the better of you the a couple times you've seen them in the regular season. So what are some of the things you've uh, seen from them and uh, getting ready for this time around? Well, they're an interesting team. Um, you know, Olivia Shock is, is finally, I think back to, playing Olivia Shock basketball, you know, she's coming off her knee injury. And I think it took her about half the season to figure out how to play with that situation. And, and she's really developed over the last 10, 11 games for them. Um, and anytime you have to, to worry about stopping one player on their team, it, it just makes them so much better. You know, Katie Dreyfus has had a nice season. Um, it seems like the last couple of games, somebody else has stepped up and, and, and been a scorer for them. We, we go over to their place and play and, um, you know, this Kate Reinhardt girl comes pretty much out of nowhere and, and has a big game for them. And, and I think that's because you're spending so much time thinking about where Olivia is and trying to stop her from doing what she does best. Um, that, you know, if they have their secondary players or third players step up and, and play well, then they've got a chance to beat you. And we just have to limit uh, what everybody does. We have to know where Olivia is. We have to box her out. Um, we have to be able to put some pressure on their shooters and, and rebound the basketball. And I will say, Coach, I do apologize. I do believe I was present for both of the games against New Regal. I'm not going to be there. So you're the bad luck charm. <laughs> I, I won't be there. But uh, I, I will actually bring up the game that occurred at New Regal February 1st. That that one was a very, very interesting game. You mentioned Kate Reinhardt really coming out of nowhere, having a big night. What are some things that you can do in that game? Obviously not give away any, like, chalkboard material or any strategy whatsoever but what are what are some of those things that you can actually do to limit a breakout performance kind of thing i mean you you know what you're gonna get out of shock night in night out especially now that she seems to be a hundred percent but just how do you counter a breakout like that and i've always been curious in a coach's perspective in game what steps can you take or what things can you do to try and slow those things down um, you know, if, if we, if we knew that we'd probably be able to stop those players from having breakout <laughs> games, but, uh, you know, you, you just kind of, you stick to what, what you do well. I, I, I don't want to, we don't want to panic. We don't want to try to, you know, draw up some sort of gimmicky defense that we've never done before just to try to stop one player. Um, you know, we, we've got to just play like we normally do. We've got to be able to contest shooters. Uh, we've got to have good communication in our rotations, um, when they make skip passes and, and staying up on open shooters and, and closing out as hard as we can and, and rebounding the basketball. So you just kind of, at this point, play the percentages and, you know, you, you, you take away what the other team does best. And if somebody else, you know, sort of our uh, mentality last year when we had our nice little tournament run was, you know, let's take away what the, their best player, let's take away what they do best. And then if they have somebody else step up and, and knock down shots, we're probably going to lose. And if they don't, we're going to win. And, you know, we were the recipient of a, a couple of those performances last year and, and getting to the regional, you know, it was a pretty special moment. So you just kind of, kind of rely on what you do best and, Hope that things work out and that the other team doesn't have somebody decide to go off and score 20, 25 points against you. And then finally, what's the message to the team and the fan base uh, as a whole uh, as you start to get ready now and have your game tonight in in the postseason? Well, you know, it's new wriggle. <laughs> you don't have to get any, do anything to get anybody ready for that. You know, if, if you don't know the Hopewell new wriggle, uh, 
um, rivalry, then, you know, you probably shouldn't be playing sports at either place. Um, so are my girls will be ready, you know, a, a chance to win, you know, when it came tournament draw time, I had an open line. I could have gone over to play Tiffin Calvert, um, within the second game, a second round game with possibly Mohawk, which would have been probably an easier matchup than what we have, but I want another chance to play at home. Um, I knew that new rig will have beat us twice would probably jump in and, and play us, but, uh, um, you know, having to come to our place is, is going to be a challenge for them. And hopefully our fans all show up and, you know, we get to gym a rocket and beat New Regal and see what happens after that. And this has been Coach Steve Suter of the uh, Hopewell Loudon Girls Basketball Team. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us and good luck uh, throughout the postseason. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate everything. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll be talking with Fall Story Girls Basketball Coach Derek Angelone here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Everyday values are at only one place, Frickers. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings. Tuesday, traditional frickin' chicken wings. Wednesday is all about that steak. Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Frickers, where kids 10 and under eat free every day. Remember, draft beer specials, everyday values, and kids eat free every day. The home for money-saving value is the home for fun, food, sports, and spirits, Frickers. Morgan Advanced Materials has had a great 2023, and as the semiconductor industry soars, so does the demand for our products. The Fostoria Performance Carbon Division is scaling up our operations and expanding. We'd like you to be a part of our innovative team. Morgan Advanced Materials is hiring for multiple positions, including industrial and quality engineers, electrical controls engineers, capital projects engineers, EH&S generalists, and electrical project engineers. So come join our team that produces state-of-the-art electrical carbon products that are vital for our future economy. Are you ready to make an impact? impact? Make your mark on future generations? So apply today and join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Faustoria, Ohio. Call us at 419-889-1300 or head to morganadvancedmaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have a starting pay of $18.04 an hour with a raise to $18.31 after 90 days with a shift differential of $0.25 cents an hour for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork, located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria, Seneca Millwork, part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Thursday night, we'll have coverage of Fostoria Girls Basketball. They open up the postseason taking on Scott, Matt Common, Tom Grind. Have that one shortly before 7 o'clock Thursday night on WFOB. We're now pleased to be joined by Fostoria Head Girls Basketball Coach Derek Angelone here in the Frickers Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you guys for having me back. I feel like, uh, you know, it's a bit of an accomplishment. I get to do this twice in a year. It means uh, they haven't got rid of me yet. So I consider that a personal win right there. Yeah, absolutely. For you, obviously, the last couple games of regular season, some good wins, a couple tough losses mixed in there as well. Kind of what's the viewpoint uh, from your perspective on your team as you ended the regular season and now kind of look ahead to the postseason? 
Oh, uh, you know, we got a lot of people back from uh, some key injuries and stuff that we had. So the fact that we are able to get people back and get them uh, get them playing some games, you know, you have to rebuild that chemistry and reestablish that. Uh, we love what we saw effort wise in a couple of those games. Um, you know, we tell them all the time, don't let the offense drive your effort. Your effort has to be solo. You have to let your effort drive your effort and how much you want to win. Uh, so we got to get out of that mindset where, you know, offensive production drives effort. And I feel like towards the end of the year, we did that. You know, like you said, we had key wins, um, <clears throat> got Eastwood at home, which was a big win. Uh, we had some really dominant performances over Corey Rawson and Swan and respectfully. Um, so those were things that set us in the right way. Uh, and then, you know, heartbreaking loss to TC. We felt like we were the better team that night, all night. And they just happened to run away with one a little bit with a late stretch in the fourth where they, you know, went on a 12-0 run. And that was a, that was a lot of the difference that, that what they did in that game. So, you know, we felt like that was, uh, that was the type of performance that we need to see from our team all year. And, you know, that's, a, that's a very good basketball team, a state runner up from last year. We need to bottle those efforts and that level of competition, the level of competitiveness that we played with that night, that fiery emotion that some of the girls showed that, you know, we, that always comes from me, but doesn't always get seen from them that they, that, you know, they had show up that night. So we need to make sure we're trying to bottle that and get that to be present for the rest of this tournament run. Uh, we told the girls, you know, Oh, and Oh, and we're going to go look to make a splash. Yeah. And coach, for, first of all, I, I think based on your energy level, you probably have an open invite back to this show whenever you feel <laughs> like it. Type of situation. I, I think I speak to Lance on that one. Um, looking at your uh, last win, you guys just mentioned you had some very dominant wins to close out the season before you ran in Genoa and Toledo Christian. Big win against Corey Ross, like you mentioned, a nice win against Swan. The one that stands out to me, though, was just the runaway that you had against Otsego, 60 to 37 final on that one. What are some of the things you saw in that match in particular that really stood out to you going into tournament time? Uh, we really focused that night actually on being um, more assertive on the offensive end from one girl to the next. You know, I, I've never, it, it, it's a nice problem to have and not a nice problem to have at the same time. I have to tell girls to shoot the basketball. I've never been part of a team where we had to beg so many people to want to score. Um, they want to be overly unselfish at times and look to pass the basketball in situations where we need to put up shots. So that night I felt like we actually did a little bit of that. We pushed the offense a little bit. We had some girls, you know, look to go assert themselves on the offensive end, get shots up, you know, force the action a little bit. And that was something that we, we definitely wanted to see out of them. We told them we wanted to see out of them that night. You know, I have a lot of respect for, uh, you know, I'd see the fact that they went through some coaching change and stuff like that at the mid really roughly towards the midpoint of the season. And the, the level of play that we saw out of them from the first time that we played them to, you know, the second time that we played them, I talked to their coaches at the coaches meeting and said that there was a massive difference that they're heading in the right direction. They get a lot of help from their eighth grade team coming up next year too. So, you know, that's great. The league's just going to get more and more competitive over the next couple of years, which is fantastic for everybody. But uh, yeah, I think that realistically the way that we were able to assert ourselves on offense that night was, was key. We had some girls and I, you know, maybe even forced some shots, but that's okay. We're okay with that every once in a while. You know, sometimes you want good players to have to force good shots. And so we, we told them that. And I think that they kind of ran with that instead of being overly passive and looking to pass the ball too much and be, um, you know, again, <laughs> making sure that we, we take the opportunities when they're in front of us and don't look to pass up on them. And I think that they did a good job of that. This is the NW Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios talking with Fostoria head girls basketball coach Derek Angelone. And speaking of the conference as a whole, uh, the awards were announced earlier on in the week, and you had a handful of players 
that uh, were honored with uh, those recognitions. So what does it mean to, you know, have a handful of your team uh, be honored in that way as some of the best players in your league? Uh, I, I mean, I, it, it's, it's fantastic for the girls, realistically. I mean, uh, you know, to me, you know, we go up there and we put the girls up that, you know, that deserve to be up. And whether you have certain people voting and fall, fall the same way or the right way or not, um, you know, I, I think you see – what we had is a testament to the girls' individual talents and their hard work, and I feel really great for the girls in that scenario, in that situation. You know, uh, Lyric Johnson, she knows realistically she she was a player of the year candidate, and she could and she knows that this season that she's got more in the tank than. And I think that you know, seeing that she was she you know was able to be a player of the year type candidate this year was was big for her. And next year she has that goal to go drive her. I know that she wants to you know, go make a running for player of the year next year. You know, we have Alicia who, you know, arguably in everybody's books would have probably been a first team player this year. Again, having that she had, you know, if she would have had the opportunity to play an entire season. So the fact that she was able to be honored, you know, with only six games played is great for her. Um, you know, she did receive votes from coaches, which is fantastic. So um, that, that is huge for us to make sure that, you know, she keeps that confidence to her as well. So coaches see the effort that she put in, even though she was only to play, able to play, you know, four conference of games this entire season. Um, you know, they see the work that she's put in. They see the type of talent she is. And then for, you know, players like Jatasia Jones, who wasn't even a varsity player last year to come in this year in her first varsity season to get honors, you know, a, a, a big vocal leader like Carmen Williams is able to go get second team and show us, show the league that she, you know, she's able to be a great player and a great leader for us. So yeah, I'm very, very happy for the girls in those situations that they're able to go and get that recognition that they worked hard to deserve. Uh, you know, I think that realistically we could have had a couple more girls in there. So maybe that uh, those girls now have something to drive and work for going towards next season. Um, and that that's just motivation to go and push them. And I love that they have that motivation to add to it, that they can say, hey, well, you know, I want those league honors. I want to be up there. I want to be mentioned with player of the year. I want this. I want that. I don't want to be honorable mention. I want to be at least first team or second team. Or, you know, we have girls that were left off of honorable mention that should, you know, definitely have the goal of going to get honorable mention. So I, I think, like you said, even with the league being more competitive next year, our girls now have goals and stuff that they can set to say, hey, I want to go improve and I want to go prove to the rest of the league that I can be that type of player. So, uh, again, fantastic for the girls in those situations. I love that for them. Uh, you know, that's why we do it is to make sure that they can, you know, see their potential and go get some of those honors and be recognized for their hard work. So love that. And we'll just look to get better next year and hopefully wipe, you know, seal up a couple more of those first and second team slots next year, hopefully. And coach, I would never be one in a million years to look ahead, especially when we're starting tournament time but the fact that a majority of the players you just mentioned are juniors or underclassmen in some capacity again got a good a big game tournament run here coming up is there a small party that's sitting there going you know what we started to turn things around we started getting going in the right direction but my god we're just going to be on fire next year with the players that we have coming back so i mean it's tough not to I wouldn't say I'm looking for it. It's tough not to recognize though, for sure. Right. So, you know, you look as I'm sitting here writing in our, our, our tournament bench list and our tournament starters and everything like that for the tournament game. Uh, you know, you're looking at it and I just find myself writing junior, 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 junior. And then you have a freshman and a sophomore mixed in there as well. And so, I, I mean, out of, you know, a varsity team that dresses 12 ladies, we have 11 of those ladies coming back, uh, you know, and again, I think that a lot of the times people look and say, well, just because you get them back for a year doesn't mean that they're going to be a better basketball player. It doesn't necessarily automatically make your team better. I make the argument with this that with this team, it absolutely will. you got to remember, this is the first year with our coaching staff. We have so much more to implement, add on, to teach, 
for them to learn, for all of us to be able to work with another summer is going to be massive with us and the coaching staff, just to be able to implement more of those things. Yes, we've had an entire season, but when you get into mid-season, now you're talking scouting reports, worrying about what other teams are doing, and you're not focusing so much on your player development during the season. That's what the offseason is for. So I'm really, really excited to get into the offseason and work a lot of player development with some of these players to make sure that they're able to come back even stronger. And, you know, like you said, we get healthier. Just with in, in terms of coming back next year, we get healthier. And that's, that's huge for us as well. That being said, we are definitely not overlooking the possibility of a tournament run. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be pretty forward here with this. We think that we have an opportunity to make a run past what a lot of outside people think that we're going to be capable of. Uh, you know, we have to play a very good Toledo Scott team uh, tomorrow night, and we will hopefully go up and treat them as such, a very good Toledo Scott team that we feel that we could go up and compete with and do great things. And if we get out of there with the win, uh, we know that we have a gauntlet to go through. Uh, but, you know, we're excited about the fact that we get an opportunity and a chance to play a team that we've seen a couple times already. Uh, you know, we picked that spot in the bracket for a reason. There's a lot of those other teams that we never got to see. We didn't play them in the summer, and we played Bellevue in the summer, and we played Bellevue in a scrimmage earlier this year. And that's what it's looking like is that you're going to get the overall number two seed, right? That's what the, ever, that's what the thought is. So, um, you know, uh, we're looking forward to maybe having the opportunity to go face a team that we've already seen a couple times and, you know, look to show everybody else that regardless of win-lose, that we're, we're a team that, that's going to be very, very dangerous here moving forward. And, and we're just going to look to be an extremely tough out for somebody, um, you know, and that that is our overall goal is to be well, whoever gets us, we're going to look to be an extremely tough out. And if we realize that we continue to keep that attitude, hopefully it happens later rather than sooner, you know. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Fall Story Head Girls Basketball Coach Derek Angelone. And, you know, speaking of the postseason, we did see some changing in how the bracketing was decided, kind of the method used to decide the top few seeds. Were you a fan of that, or would you like to kind of, I don't know how even realistic, I don't know what the deals are in place, but would you like uh, what we saw this current season, or would you maybe like to see it go back to where the coaches vote for uh, the top teams? Uh, so, you know, with it being my first year, uh, I don't really have a lot of background knowledge to go based off of. You know, I'm, I'm familiar with how the how the voting used to take place, but this being my first year, I've never done it any other way. I will say that I think there are definitely some things that need to get cleaned up in the process. Uh, for example, you have some teams out there that can make arguments. I can name one that worked in our favor, actually. You know, Lake beat us twice this year. Uh, we just didn't compete well against them. They seemed to have our number. We didn't do great things against them. But because of, you know, uh, the way schedule fell and the way that, you know, we played some teams like LB and whether you win or lose those games, you get points for going to play those for your opponent's strength of schedule. Um, so the fact that we got some of those points for opponent strength of schedule and, and scheduling some of those games, we actually got a higher seed right in front of Lake instead of them being over top of us, even though they beat us twice. So whether that's right or wrong, it ended up helping us in the long run. Uh, I think ultimately though, there's steps in that process that have to get cleaned up. You know, you'd expect a team that beats another team twice to be ranked over top of that team. Uh, you know, you'd think that that'd be something that coaches would see over a computer. Um, and so the rankings might've gone a little bit differently. Now they went in our favor. Uh, Lake has a very tough task in having to go handle the district player of the year, Brooklyn Vaughn and Toledo Central Catholic. So, uh, you know, it worked in our favor that it fell the way that it did. So 
I'm not out here complaining about it, but in terms of whether we want this to be, we want to even the competitive balance and we want to make sure that we get things right. Uh, then there's definitely some computing that needs to be looked at in terms of whether what that strength of schedule does for teams, what that, what the opponent strength of schedule does for teams in the ranking and, you know, all of those things that can get figured out. Now, it just gets tougher for them next year, unfortunately, for them, because you're talking about adding the divisions. I'm sure you guys saw the news that, you know, you're going to add and you're going to get to seven divisions. So that only gets stronger for them. And, you know, you're going to you might end up seeing things where, hey, a division one team or division two team doesn't want to schedule us because we're division five. If they lose that game against a division four or five team and they're a division two team. Well, that's going to mean massive points drop for them and massive points gain for us. And then, again, you're working with opponent strength of schedule and those sort of things. So you might see scheduling conflicts here come as a result of that uh, coming next year. So I think overall the process needs to be cleaned up, but I'm not out here saying that it was terrible. I, I think that they, they need to look at an option. So if we're doing computer points, those computer points need to be done at the end of the season. You know, there's games, for example, like us playing Little Christian that, you know, don't get factored in because of the results that, the, hey, they have to take place. Those computer points were ended on a certain night, and so we didn't get the opportunity to have some of those games put into the computer points. Um, so there's there's things that they have to look at to clean that up as well. Uh, and I know that those are things that are being talked about at the district and state level, you know, being that we've already had our district meetings. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to overall look to change and get that process as right as they possibly can. But I, I'm not out here saying that it was a horrible thing. I, I think that, again, it's just neat – Always when it's the first year, there's going to be steps to clean up. Uh, so, Coach, I, I got to tell you, one of the things I appreciate quite a bit about you when we have you on the show is, uh, how do I say that? Your, your unapologetic level of candor that you provide. Yeah. Like, like in, yeah. in all sincerity, it's uh, not even trying to be like snarky or smart or anything like that. It is genuinely appreciated because usually some of these questions get kind of like layered in coach speak or things of that nature. So as not to like set anyone off or anything like that, but you touched on something that I think is really just under the surface bubbling with a lot of coaches. I'd love more of your feedback on that. The expansion of the divisions next year. Now, there, there are some people that argue that's a good thing because a lot of teams get left out in the cold right now due to the massive size of the four divisions in high school right. football when it comes to postseason play. But I think you just touched on something. It's going to take away a lot of scheduling opportunities and a lot of matchup opportunities because teams that used to be rivals where it was only a one, maybe two division difference at most could be three or four. Let's just If you could touch more on that, like if you feel like there might be uh, – a more practical solution or maybe a way to like step down into that going forward to like expand the divisions, maybe not all at once, but maybe like one at a time here and there. Well, what are your thoughts on that? So, yeah, I mean, reading through what the state did, you know, it all goes based off the number of teams that are, that are able to compete in that sport. And so that's how they did that. So, you know, basketball is going to move to seven. Now, I'll be a hundred again. I'll, I'll be candid. I, I, I'm a new guy on the block. I don't, I don't think I'm afraid to hurt anybody's feelings or anything like that or talk. I don't think the state's going to reprimand me for it. So if they do, you know, again, I, I'm candid. That's who I am. I don't know if seven divisions was, was the answer. Um, and I don't know if the way they went about building the seven divisions was necessarily the answer. You know, they're taking the top 64 teams, putting them in D1 and the next top 64 teams, putting them in D2. What we're going to end up seeing is that, Based off of them doing that, because it's so 
it's so small of teams that are in D1 and D in D D2. It's just 64 and 64. That's that's not a lot of teams. A lot of those D3 teams are still going to end up being like those teams that you saw that were the larger ND2 and the D4s are still going to be the smaller ND2. So you, I don't know if the numbers are going to drastically change or the level of competition is going to drastically change from division to division, except for at the very top and at the very bottom. I think the middle is where the most discrepancy is. For example, I think the biggest discrepancy in size-wise from schools and how the system works right now is D2 is way too big from top to bottom and D3 is probably right there with it. You know, in terms of the numbers, I think D2 is probably one of the largest issues. You know, when you talk about Fostoria, you talk about one of the small, five smallest D2 teams in the state having to compete against girls that have over 100 more girls in the school than what they do. And that's an issue to me. But if you look at how, you know, for example, Martin RPI comes out with, hey, this would be the results if it changed now. We're still playing some of those larger schools that were in D2. It, that based off in the blade came out with it. I'm sure you guys saw the blade that came out with some of those. Um, you're still playing a lot of those teams that are in D2 with you right now that are still that much bigger than you. So I don't know exactly if the number prob problem got fixed as much as that it should have, except for a lot of the D6 and 7, or a lot of the D4 schools are going to separate into D6 and 7, and that's going to be more competitive for them based off of size. But I don't know if it really happened where it needed to happen in terms of the Division two, those mid-sized schools that, hey, we're competing with girls at 350, but we have 200. And, and you know, so I, I don't know if that if that was the biggest issue and that was what the state wanted to fix. Or, well, the, I think that that look needs to be taken. To, did we really fix that? Are we now having schools with 200 only compete with schools that have 250, so the advantage is only 50 girls? Instead of, are we taking these girls and saying now, okay, well, we have girls that are competing from 150 to 300. That's still too big of a gap. And so, like, that's what I, I don't know if those problems are solved. Again, I, I, we just saw they didn't give us all of that information at the state level, right? Exactly what the number cutoff was for all of the divisions. They didn't give us that when they released that article. I'd love to see that. I'm sure it's going to be out there somewhere here soon, exactly what those number cutoffs are. I'd love to see that to be able to say, okay, well, did they or did they not fix the issue? I just don't know enough of it right now to comment too much on that. I just think... I hope that that was the forefront of why they were trying to do this was to make sure that at those places where you really had a true competitive imbalance, we are looking to solve that. Um, and again, whether that happened or not, I think that's still going to be left up to be seen. I think what they did was they kind of stretched and put the biggest teams in D1 and now they're taking some of the smallest teams and putting them in D7, which again, there's always going to be winners and losers. So I think there's going to be definite winners on the long end and definite winners on the short end, but there's always going to be losers in this situation as well. Um, so I know, for example, like Perrysburg is probably going to be one of the smallest D1s in the entire state to them. That's probably a loss. You know, you're putting the top 64 teams in the state in there, and they're probably going to be one of the smallest in D1. So, hey, that might be a loss for them. So it's not just here at Faustoria, but there's always going to be places that are going to be losers in that situation. And I just want to make sure the state did it right for the right reasons. You know, make sure that, hey, we we really did look at this. This is our best option is to go to seven and do it this way. So, and if that's what they did, awesome. You know, I think we have great people in, you know, like you, it, uh, I won't be too much longer winded here, but I think the real thing is that you got to remember, this is coaches that are voting on this too. You have state representatives and coaches and all the people that we trust. So, if those are the people that we really trust, then you trust that they get it right and that they're doing it all obviously for the right reasons. And, and, you know, 
com the competitive balance is what we go for 100%. We want to see the kids able to compete at that state level for what they for the work that they put in and for all the opportunity that they have. And so if, if that's in the long run what we're working towards, and let's just make that what we're working towards, and I hope that they got it right. Last one I got for you because I think you actually have to get back to you know teaching here shortly. Um, two part yeah, about eight minutes or so. <laughs> uh, so so two part question. Um, of course, looking ahead to Thursday night, what are some of the things you've seen from Scott, and then you know ultimately what's the message to the team and the fan base as you uh, look to attempt to make a postseason run here? Uh, yeah, so Scott is extremely athletic. Uh, we we know that they're extremely athletic. Uh, I think that they've had up ups and downs throughout the season. You know, we've seen that their, their lineup has changed a lot and we've, uh, you know, we noticed that in, in film and stuff that we watch, but one thing that jumps off the page, they're fast, they're athletic, uh, and they look to get to the rim. They're very, very, very physical offensively. They are looking to drive, get to the rim. Uh, so, you know, focal point of us this week has been, Hey, we gotta, we gotta stop all penetration at all three levels, um, to make sure that, you know, we're making, we are sliding with our feet, not with our hands. We don't want to pick up fouls and put ourselves in that situation but we want to play great help defense, you know, draw charges, do things we have to as a team defensively to have a great showing. And then on the offensive end, not let them pressure us, look to be calm, look to make the correct passes, get the ball to your playmakers, get the ball in the middle of the court and, and, and show dominance down there from where, from what we need to do. You saw times this year when, we, when we've done things right and fed the ball to the middle of the court and fed the ball into the post the way that we are able to at times. We've seen dominant performances out of Lyric Johnson. We've seen Great performances out of Carmen Williams, you know, driving, playing from a high post position. We've seen, you know, performances out of Alicia here of late and, and Jatasia Jones and all of these people that when we get the ball inside, we're very athletic down there. We have the ability to score. Uh, and then that this drives the ability for us to then knock down shots later in the game. So, uh, you know, again, Scott is extremely athletic. We want to make sure that we play controlled on offense and then look to control them a little bit on defense, draw charges and stop some of that speed and athleticism. And then, you know, message to the team has just been, Again, a tough out. That's the goal. It, it, it's got to be the fact that we have to be a tough out. Uh, and we want to make sure that we are competing at the highest level. And regardless of what our opponents are giving us, we're going to go out there and compete max every single every single opportunity that we have from here on out to make sure that we're the toughest out possible. And again, if somebody gets us, they're going to get us and look at us and say, dang, that was a tough game. That was a great game. Not okay, well, we, we didn't have to work too hard for that one. Next, go to the, let's go to the next one. We want to be the toughest out possible and show teams that, hey, you're going to have a problem with us, and not just now, but hopefully in the future as well. This has been Fostoria Head Girls Basketball Coach Derek Angelone. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us, and good luck in the postseason. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Love that you guys cover the games. Uh, thanks again for everything that you guys do. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk NBA All-Star Weekend here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. The Northwestern Water and Sewer District has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Our original watershed is located off of Plaza Drive, and our second location is found near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Bring your containers and fill up for only a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For more info, go to nwwsd.org. Winter, that means snow, ice, and treacherous traveling. Make sure you have a dependable ride. Deals are happening daily at Warner Economy Corner at the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard. Talk to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and they'll set you up with a quality used vehicle at a great deal. 
Dependability, smiles, deals, and great customer service are waiting for you at Warner Economy Corner. Deals on wheels happen every day, Monday through Saturday. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Big thanks to Steve Suter from Hopewell Loudon and Derek Angelone from Fall Astoria for joining us today on the show. If you missed any part of our show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons. We're also found on Apple Podcasts. Stop by the Frickers in Finley for their daily specials tonight. Get their sirloin steak dinner. Pick up from the carryout window, dine and get delivery through DoorDash. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. Find them online at Frickers.com. And Matt, let's go ahead and talk about the NBA All-Star Game and really All-Star Weekend as a whole because plenty of people were complaining about the All-Star Game itself and the lack of, as you alluded to off the top, pretty much anyone really truly trying. Saturday night All-Star Weekend was okay. There were some moments. The Steph versus Sabrina three-point contest was fun. The dunk contest kind of fell flat once again. I think uh, we're I think we're probably a few years past due on this, but I think uh, I think it's time to kind of reevaluate All-Star Weekend as a whole because. What they have in place, while some pieces and parts are okay or even above average or good at best, as a whole, doesn't seem to be working the way it once did. Uh, no, and the problem is it's become theater. It, it's become ridiculous theater is the real issue. I mean, what was it entertaining to watch? Sure, I, I mean, watching watching Lillard connect on like back-to-back half-court shots, pretty dope. That was pretty dope. Just, just call it as it. That was fun to watch, but the the actual game itself was boring as hell. It just was. All Star Weekend as a whole, I think, radically needs to be changed. Because I'm sorry, it's the the dunk contest has just turned into the same three types of dunks. Somebody gets a tall guy and they jump over them. Someone puts on a costume and someone does something with their eyes closed. The rest of it just doesn't really matter. Like I, I feel bad saying this because there's been some great dunks over the year. I don't think the guy. I don't, this is so bad. I don't even remember the guy's name that won the dunk contest, and he's apparently back-to-back champion. I know he's a Magic player. It so is Max McClung. You will show some respect. Okay, Max McClung would Mac get booted in McClung. It's a C, not an he, X. He'd get booted in the first round back in the Vince Carter T Mac days. Okay. Can you tell me I'm wrong? You are. Uh, I'm wrong. Yeah. You mean, okay. He'd get booted round one in the Dwight Howard era. Okay. That I actually disagree with. One one of your former players on your team, he would have lost to Aaron Gordon. Well, I mean, Aaron Gordon got robbed twice, but that's beside the point. That is besides the point. Point I'm getting at is... I could at least name 15 previous dunk contest champions that I think it's more impressive. Yeah, he jumped over Shaq. Cool. Nate Robinson did it too. And like way shorter kind of thing. It's like, that, that's my issue. It's it, it's become the same piece of theater time and time. So much so, most people didn't even recognize this. But for one of Jalen Brown's dunks, they cut away 
to an infographic as he was performing the dunk. I mean, it, it's it's gotten that stale. I, I've heard Stephen A. Smith come up with an idea of like a national dunk contest where it's all 50 states have their own contest, and that's the top 10 go against each other on All-Star Weekend. I, I think that could be, you know, reasonable expectation or could be entertaining, change things up. I, I think from a dunk contest perspective, something to be said about, and I feel bad saying it this way, maybe forcing or incentivizing some of the better dunkers in the NBA to perform. Maybe there's some incentive-based thing to do that, which is kind of an issue I have with the current NBA, that everything has to be incentive-based, current sports in general. But yeah, I mean, the the Steph Sabrina thing was kind of cool, but I think it was just cool because it was something different. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's really what made it cool. In reality, it was just another glorified three-point contest. But it was cool because it was something different. So, uh, yeah, it's it's gotten stale. They definitely need to make some significant adjustments. They need to make some changes because it was most of NBA All-Star Weekend was a hard pass for me. And honestly, I had the game on. It, it was entertaining at moments. I mean, it, in-game pseudo Duncan three-point contests are really what the All-Star game has turned into overall. Made that a little bit entertaining. But in reality, I kind of checked out for a majority of that game. I mean, for me, what it comes down to at this point in time, I think we can just get rid of the dunk contest, at least for a little bit. Maybe not forever, but I think at least for a little bit because, and if nothing else, I would say, and this kind of leads to the generational shift in general. If you do a crazy dunk, and post it online on like TikTok or Twitter or what have you, it'll get views. It'll get engagement in a way the dunk contest can do, but you need either something really good or really bad to happen in the dunk contest for it to have any sort of life after the moment itself to where... The big, the biggest takeaway I had from the dunk contest, and I didn't have, I didn't watch it in real time, but the biggest takeaway I had was that Jalen Brown had a lame dunk over Kai Sinat, a YouTube and a Twitch streamer, that he had him. I don't know how tall he is, but he's not a tall person. They had him sitting, making him even shorter. And then had Jalen Brown dunk, and it's like, maybe you did it for the picture, like, yeah, maybe it's cool, like, seeing the reaction, but in actuality, that's not a good dunk. That's not a dunk contest, like, truly worthy dunk. So I think at this point, we can just scrap the dunk contest. Let's, it's broken, we can fix it, I'm sure, let's just get rid of it for the time being. Three-point contest, I think, still has, I think it still has its place, even though it is... Maybe a little no, more it, stale. It just has, it has equally as little juice as the dunk contest does now. But I'd say, I think if anything, you can maybe edit it a little more. And I know they've kind of added to it over the years to where they have like a different, like farther shot at a rack. I think maybe you can maybe do some more things like that to make it a little more intriguing. I think the problem with the three point contest is not the contest itself. It's that people are getting that much better at shooting. So it makes it that look 
that much easier, even though in actuality it's not easier. It's just they've gotten that much better at it. And I think the the skills competition, it's like, okay, it's like a little kooky, but it's in actuality the same kind of thing every year, even if, you know, some of the pieces and players are different. For Sun, for the game, I mean, there's at this point, there's no point in a true actual All-Star game. Like, for what it has been in the past, it's just not going to be that. Unless they make some significant rule changes or incentives or something like that. I think if you're going to still have there be some sort of all-star festivity with a grand, I guess, game at the end, I think it almost has to be something kind of more like what we've alluded to with the incentive-based things, that it has to be like, oh, it's a two-on-two contest or a 3v3 contest or something like that, and the winner gets a million bucks or something. And and that's the only way you're going to get these guys to really want to do it because when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, the all-star break, it's a little bit past the actual halfway point of the season because especially with it being after the trade deadline too. So that tells you, okay, we're more on the second half of the season than we are the front half of the season. This is just one thing that gets in the way of a handful of days of rest for some of the guys that probably haven't taken a whole lot of rest in between And this is just kind of something that gets in the way in that. So I I can't expect them to want to try max effort in an all-star game to where the best thing that can happen is maybe you win all-star game MVP and you get a trophy and maybe there's some, there's some prize with that. I know there has been in the past, but other, the downside is you get hurt or you do something stupid or you strain something or you just get back to the start of the season and you're not regenerated because you didn't get that much of a break compared to whatever percentage of the league isn't involved in our all-star festivities in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and you know what? I th- uh, First of all, the fact that you use the word break, don't tell Adam Silver that because <laughs> the entire all-star team for both squads will be banished from their ability to... <laughs> be nominated for any awards in the uh, regular season. Uh, And I think this is what boils down to the the NBA needs to take one of three routes with it. One cancel all-star weekend outright, make an all-star roster, announce it, have like a little celebration. That's the end of it. Number two incentivize like major league baseball did for a while there. And I think they still do. I could be wrong. Rob Manfred's a terrible commissioner. So the the MLB All-Star game doesn't decide the World Series home field or anything like that anymore. Okay. But incentivize it. Put put some put some skin in the game, as it were. Maybe the home home court advantage in the NBA finals, maybe host site for the like uh Eastern Conference or Western Conference team gets to be the host site for that stupid in-season tournament. Or option three, do what the NFL did. That that was actually kind of fun to watch this year. Making it instead of the game, it's a bunch of skills challenges, and then the flag football thing. Like, could you imagine a two-on-two, like you just alluded to, make All-Star Weekend All-Star Week, where you have a lot of different skills challenges, fun things like that? But through the course of the whole week, out of the 20 or so players that are nominated for the All-Star game, have it be a two-on-two tournament kind of situation. I think that would draw way more interest than what we currently have. So, I don't know. Maybe something like that. 
The other issue that the NBA has, and it's just to call it as it is, they're putting too many stupid things into the regular season because the regular season is too long. And they figure that out during the work stoppage and during the uh, pandemic shortened year that the season is too long, but no one is willing to cut down on the season. So we have that ridiculous in-season tournament. Then we have the All-Star game. Um, I can't possibly imagine what else they'd add, but I'm I like I feel it in my soul that they're gonna somehow add a secondary in-season tournament to the back half of the season as well as the years go on. It's just they're putting too much crap in there that's diluting what used to be around. And frankly, the players don't take it seriously anymore. I brought up Vince Carter and T Mac because th- they took those dunk contests seriously. That that was that was as serious as a heart attack for players back in the day. And now they just don't really care. It's like they're trying to get the most views on TikTok or social media as opposed to actually wanting to win. And it's it shows. It it shows in the All-Star weekend as a whole. So I'm with you. Dramatic change needs to take place. And I think they the NFL kind of gave them the template to work with because I think there's still people that, you know, there's still people out there that are like, ah, oh, the flag football game is stupid. It, you can you can have that opinion, but it's better than having them in full-fledged gear and expecting it to be an additional football game in actuality of the season, especially, you know, for some of the guys that, you know, went through whether it was injury or just get banged up because football is obviously a very tough game. I think that that is the best solution for a problem that didn't have the best answer in football has, you know, seemed to make the best of it. And it it's different for football just with it being at the end of the season, you know, aside from the teams, of course, then play the Super Bowl after that. But for everybody else, it's the end of their season. So they get to unwind, have a little fun with it. It's it's not as intense as it could be in, you know, some of these other sports. That's the issue that and the NBA and Major League Baseball to a different extent run into. And I think, honestly, to me, and granted, I'm a bigger baseball fan than you, I'd say the MLB All-Star game, their their stuff is perfect. They have the home run derby, you get the excitement of home runs, and then you have the All-Star game the next day, and you get to everybody pitches like an inning, maybe two Players don't have to play a full game, but it still is an actual game. People are still trying, maybe not their super-duper hardest, but they're still trying at an above-average level at the very least because you still don't want to be the guy that gives up a home run. You still don't want to be the guy you know, that has a major miscue in the game. So I think MLB, they've got it kind of down pat and you know, their, their history – And even they've changed things. They've changed the home run derby a little bit to, you know, where it went from the out system to a time system. And I think that has kind of brought a little more into it. Whereas the NBA, it's like we've said earlier, it's not quite, it's a little bit past the actual middle of the season. So guys are that much more, you know, ready for an actual break and playing basketball in just one game is at least physically harder than playing just a baseball game even though you can argue the argue about the the mental capacities of trying to hit a ball versus trying to shoot a basketball 
But in terms of actual physicalness, yeah, that's why they don't try a whole lot harder in the NBA compared to, you know, some of these other sports. And there is now plenty of examples to go off of. It's just maybe saying, okay, maybe we do this for All-Star Weekend. Maybe we do this to lessen the number of, you know, regular season games. I know they've been trying to, at the very least, eliminate back-to-backs. And I know there still are some back-to-backs, but it certainly has gone down from years prior. So that's at least one thing they've done. But like you said, with the in-season tournament, it's like, yes, it's cool in the standpoint of that it's different, but what is it really doing for the grand scheme of things in the NBA? Exactly. And I mean, look, I should mention the MLB all-star game. I think what you just alluded to, or you're like, it's perfect is because it's not complicated. Right. That everyone loves the long ball. It's as simple as that. If you're a baseball fan, you like seeing someone crank it 450 feet. It's just, it's an impressive feat to hit a ball that is going 90 plus miles an hour and hit it with enough force and enough velocity at the right angle to shoot it 400 plus feet into the stands. That's incredible. For the NBA, it's an incredible display of athleticism, but there's a little too much that can go on in the game for people to get excited about. Most there people like dunks. People enjoy the deep, deep shots and like the three point shots and all that stuff, but they don't all enjoy it at the same time. So the NBA tries to accommodate all that. I I think just get rid of it. I personally, again, I'd go with the NFL model. Keep all of those skill challenge things, but lean into the fact that the players don't take it seriously. Completely lean into it. Make it a two on two tournament or make it a, I mean, heck, it, I for, I forget who actually brought up. It was one of the players for All-Star Weekend. Make it a one-on-one tournament. I mean, that could, could you have imagined All-Star Weekend back in the Larry Bird, Magic Johnson era if they set up a one-on-one between the two of them? Oh, they could have, they could have made that like a pay-per-view event at that point in time. That See, that's what I'm getting. Like, uh, imagine right now having a... Giannis versus Luca one on one. Luca's not stopping Giannis. Huh? Luca's not stopping Giannis. He's not, but is Giannis going to stop Luca? But see, th- those are the questions that would then be entertaining. Like, ha- have a point guards division, have a shooting guards division kind of thing, and, and just kind of work your way through. I-, I think that'd be a way more entertaining use of NBA All-Star Weekend than, frankly, a lot of half-hearted efforts and a lot of grandstanding to try and get more Instagram likes and clicks on social media. Just it, That's really just what it feels like at this stage. With that, we'll go ahead and step aside for a quick timeout. We'll come back to talk some other things in sports and wrap up here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Looking for a job with a great company? Ropey Corporation has several positions available. They have general labor positions with a starting pay of $19.41 an hour with a raise after 90 days. There are currently second and third shift positions open. To apply, go to ropey.com and find career opportunities under the company tab. Come work for one of Northwest Ohio's best companies, privately held and family driven. 
NWO has news. We are excited to announce the newest addition to the NWO family. Dr. Ryan Tran is a local who was raised in the area, trained by the Cleveland Clinic, and has returned to his hometown to care for your whole family, just like he does his own. Dr. Tran is now accepting new patients of all ages in our Tiffin office. Make your appointment today to experience the benefits of family care by a hometown professional. There's only one place to go, NWO. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFOB Classic hits 96.7 WBBI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Big thanks to Steve Suter from Hopewell Loud and Derek Angelone from Fall Story for joining us today on the show. If you missed that or any part of today's show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons, we're also available on Apple Podcasts. You can stop by the Frickers in Finley for their daily specials tonight, their sirloin steak dinner. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, get delivery through DoorDash, download the Frickers app to see more and to place in order to find them online at Frickers.com. And Matt, usually I'm the one uh, asking you about different things, but you uh, you said you had something you wanted to bring to my attention, so uh, go right ahead. Well, well, I do because it's something that, I mean, I'll give my feedback after I hear yours, but I... I you know, it takes a lot for me to admit that you know more about the game of basketball than I do. <laughs> Kevin Durant on a podcast during All-Star Weekend. This is the exact quote, and the context around the quote was asking where he stands on the GOAT debate between MJ, Kobe, and LeBron. His quote, it's more so like, can I have a real basketball conversation with some of the best that's ever played basketball or walk those sidelines? I believe I can. So Lance, where would you put Kevin Durant in the GOAT conversation since he decided to inject himself into it? Okay, well, first off, he's not in the GOAT conversation, as you, I believe, are alluding to. But... With, he with, thinks with, he is. But, well, that's a whole different can of worms. But I would say, if we're just talking about scoring the basketball, you can make that argument that Kevin Durant is the best at that. You can. I think there are other things he doesn't do as well as, you know, LeBron, MJ, Kobe, Magic, Bird. You can go kind of on down the list. If we're just talking scoring, KD is up there for how he is able to just kind of score at will he's obviously not as dominant as someone like LeBron getting to the rim but in terms of his shot he can shoot from mid-range he can shoot from three unless you have crazy Victor Wembanyama type arms you're probably not going to block it so I think if we're just talking scoring he is in that conversation if we're talking greatest of all time unequivocally no he's not quite in that conversation okay so Here's my thoughts on it. <laughs> oh, God. oh, crap. You're serious, Katie. Hold on. Let me laugh harder. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm not going to disagree, disagree with your laughing. I would say if Kyrie had said that, I would be right there with you. But KD has done... He, he's had a very good career. You can, you know, can, can talk about him, you know, switching teams, all that stuff. You can, you can definitely talk about that. 
but he is a very is good Carme- Katie is Carmelo Anthony with a better PR team. He is just the stat stuffer, in particular on the offense side. I'm sorry, my two cents on the matter, and I'm not just laughing at because God in heaven, that's a funny sentiment. That like, I think I belong in the goat status conversation with guys like Al Michaels and Kevin Harlan. Waiting for someone to laugh loudly at me as I say it with conviction. But no, it's he has not been the same player since that 2016 Oklahoma City Thunder team. I'm sorry. He just hasn't. He has not been the same player. He has not been the type of player that I would say has a valid conversation to be one of the best players in the history of the game. I would even take it a step further. I fundamentally disagree with you in terms of being in the conversation as the best pure score in the history of the NBA. I wouldn't even put him in my top 10. Maybe not even top 15. Because we have not seen him since Oklahoma City, and frankly, even a little bit at Golden State, he has not done it. He just hasn't. He's been worth hundreds of millions of dollars to be very pretty window dressing on the sideline most nights. And the fact of the matter is, he has not stayed healthy in the back half of his career. He has not performed, and he had to bail on his organization and go to the team that beat him just to get a ring. And every time he's had the opportunity to do it since then, with another organization, he he just can't. He is incapable of doing it. So for my money, this goes back to me, frankly, not being a KD fan because of a lot of his decisions. Just, I'll call it as it is. But the level of narcissism on display to suggest when you don't even have the same ring count, you don't even have the same MVP title ca- like amount count, you have nothing in the conversation to say that you belong in this conversation staggers my mind. That level of unapologetic narcissism is just everything that has become Kevin Durant from this aw shucks kid from Texas when they were the Seattle Supersonics when he got drafted to whatever the flaming hell this narcissist is now just it just blows my mind I'm sorry but Katie respectfully and there's a slight possibility I'll get subtweeted by him about this because he pays attention to these sorts of things which is just even more hysterical. Katie, I'm sorry. You're not in the GOAT conversation. I'm going to take it a step further. You're not in the GOAT conversation for best all-round score or just all-purpose offensive player in the history of the game. You definitely have an argument for the mercenary GOAT status. You definitely could on that one. Or in terms of ring chasing, you definitely have an argument. But to suggest that you're in the same convo as Kobe... MJ and LeBron frankly shows how little you know about the game of basketball. I will push back on you once again. He won rookie of the year, MVP runner up, MVP fifth place, MVP runner up, MVP runner up, MVP win, MVP fifth place, ninth, seventh, eighth. And that's all prior to Uh, going to the Nets. I would say that's kind of the line of demarcation with the injury issues because then he, of course, tore his Achilles uh, in the finals uh, when the Warriors were playing the Raptors. And even since then, he's had, 
you know, some pretty good seasons where he's had 29 to, to 26 points per game in uh, some of those limited runs. So, uh, again, he's not in the GOAT debate per se, but he's, I think it's more your hater is showing than than looking at it from a pure statistic side because you call well, the- you, you called him Carmelo with the better PR agent. I'd say he's just a better Carmelo that before he got hurt actually played defense. So I guess I'll put it this way. Cause I will admit there is some hater involved in this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to disagree with that. My, my counterpoint I would make is this. The NBA has lacked so many things during Kevin Durant's time in the NBA to make it a more offensive heavy output type of organization. I look at it from a pure scoring perspective, and this is just a little bit of hater, but I I would politely encourage you to disagree with me if you want to. Kevin Durant is 10-ply soft. Could you imagine him being guarded by Isaiah Thomas or Bill Lambeer? Or, heck, even um, uh, Fox back from the Kobe Bryant, Shaq era? Or Dennis Rodman, he would crumble. So to say that he's one of the best all-time offensive players, statistically you have an argument, but I think you put him in any era where defense even remotely exists, and he's not even a 15-point-a-game guy. Just That's my two cents on it. But I also think there's a lot of players that are in the mid to high 20s right now that would not be 15-point guys a night in the late 80s, 90s, early 2000s NBA. We could probably continue this for many, many hours. We totally could, but we got other stuff we need to get to. (laughs) A couple things I did want to get to before we go. The college football playoff committee approved a 5 plus 7 model for the 12-team playoffs, so the five winners of the Power 5 conferences will get automatic bids. Then the next seven teams after that would be who's in the college football playoff, and especially with the Pac-12 essentially ceasing to exist, this definitely seemed to be really the only step they could have made. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be interested. To, uh, I'll have to look at it again because I don't remember offhand if they actually labeled who they're classifying as the new Power 5 conferences with that one since the Pac-12 is kind of going the way of the Dodo, but it, it's it's the right option. It's definitely past time for them to do that. And I'm glad they did vote on it, make it official. And and I do like that five plus seven model. I, I think that's a practical way of handling it. And then the last one, uh, I know he's one of your your favorite guys, uh, just in terms of you know players in the league. But the Bears, of course, have the uh, top pick in the coming draft. They still have the guy I was just alluding to in Justin Fields. Uh, I'll ask you it two ways. What will they do? And then what should they do in your opinion? Oh, what they should do is trade back. Um, I'll answer that one first. They should absolutely trade back. I think Justin Fields is a phenomenal quarterback. I think he has proven that he's able to play in this league and that he's competitive in this league. I, I think the fact that according to a report that came out by Bleacher Report, that 18 teams, including playoff teams, reached out to the Bears about Justin Fields' availability during the Senior Bowl is a testament to that. Um, I think what they're going to do 
because the NFL is run by the almighty dollar. And for some reason, Caleb Williams is getting hyped up to a level I haven't seen for a quarterback since Peyton Manning, which is very concerning. Um, I just don't think he's that level. I, I think he's good. I have him currently as, I believe, my fourth ranked quarterback in the draft. He's a good quarterback. There's no denying it. But I think what the Bears are going to do, because you could either get four plus one years on a Caleb Williams rookie contract, or after this season, you're going to have to sign Justin Fields. I think they're going to capitalize. think they'll draft Caleb Williams. I don't think it's going to work out as well as them building around Justin Fields would. And frankly, between some of the rumors that are going around in terms of like cap space or what players are expecting, Here's the thing. There might be some wild cards out there reaching out about Justin Fields or end up with him. I think Atlanta's a prime landing spot. I think Minnesota has a lot of potential for a landing spot. I'll just call it as it is because he's not under contract right now. I think a place like Tampa Bay is not not an unrealistic place if they do either a third round pick or a second round pick to try and get Fields off of their hands when they do draft Caleb Williams. But they should keep Fields because I think they can build around him and be very successful. I don't think they're going to do that. And I think Justin Fields is going to kind of make them regret it to whatever team he does land up. And that'll do it for us today for this one. Big thanks to Steve Suter from Hopewell Loudon and Derek Angelone from Faustoria for joining us today on the show. Join us over the next few days for our coverage of high school basketball Thursday night. Coverage of Faustoria girls basketball. They head up to Scott to take on the Bulldogs in the sectional semifinals. Matt Common and Tom Grind have that one Thursday night just before 7 o'clock on WFOB. Friday night, SBC River action to close out the regular season for the boys. Newbergle taking on Sandusky St. Mary. Bart Wilson, Tom Grind have that Friday night on WFOB. And then Saturday, if the Faustoria girls win Thursday, they would play Saturday night in the sectional final. They would take on either Bellevue or Woodward if they win Thursday. We would have coverage of that starting again just before 7 o'clock on Saturday with Tom Grind alongside Matt Common once again on WFOB. Former broadcast partner Matt Common, this is Lance Morris signing off for this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you in the next one.